Story Collective. Untold stories by unheard voices. Keystrokes Per Minute. A limited series podcast about the woman in the New Zealand public service typing pools from 1945 to the present day. Hi to my welcome. I'm Meg Melvin, the presenter and producer of this podcast series. I was introduced to the Keystrokes Oral History Project thanks to my mum Lorraine, also known as Rose, when she asked me to come along to a meeting to help the team put together a newsletter so they could locate interviewees. Upon listening to the team talk enthusiastically about their own typing pool stories, I knew immediately this would be a great podcast topic. The research team was able to interview 52 women and three men between 2017 and 2021. Their aim was to ensure that the history of women and their essential roles in the public service were recorded and archived as a way to redress the lack of value accorded to this gender-specific profession. Drawing on the stories captured in those interviews, episodes have been themed around four main topics. The role of education, life in the typing pool, the public service and women's work, and the impact of technology. There are seven hour-long episodes and two half-hour bonus episodes in this series. But first, let's hear from one of the members of the research team. Tanukoto Katoa. My name is Judith Aitken, and I initiated the Keystrokes Per Minute project when I learned that the history of women who had worked throughout the 20th century, and still do, as typists in public service typing pools, was not only virtually hidden, but largely unrecognised and certainly not celebrated. Yet without the highly skilled professional work of hundreds of women and their ability to adapt to multiple changes of occupational arrangements, public service customs, and technological changes over more than a century, neither the public service nor the government could have functioned effectively. The tireless voluntary work of Maureen Goodwin, Rose Melvin, S. Lloyd, Rachel Brown have generated these interviews, and we have also benefited from generous encouragement from Peter Hughes of the State Services Commission and the Ministry of Culture and Heritage. These, these podcasts contribute to the national history of New Zealand as well as the public service. And it is a tribute to the women that they gave so generously the stories of their own experiences. And these podcasts enable them to be accessible as they will be in the safekeeping of the National Library. In this episode one, The Role of Education, we hear from a range of interviewees about their secondary schooling, who and what influenced their choice of subjects and how they were first introduced to typing or shorthand. Shorthand is a written system that provides symbols or abbreviations for words and common phrases, which can allow someone well trained in the system to write as quickly as people speak. To the uninitiated, they look like a series of line strokes, dots and loops. In this first clip, we hear from Mary, our oldest interviewee, who attended secondary school in the 1940s and tells us about how having polio impacted her education choices. When I was going to go to secondary school, um, I wanted to learn French and, and uh, do the general um, or professional course, but um, at my interview with Sister Eugenius, who was uh, the commercial teacher at Sacred Heart College, 
uh, I was advised that I would be better to go for a job that where I could uh, be in a sedentary position because right, I could had, had polio. So she advised me to take shorthand in typing. I, I'd never heard of shorthand. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. Uh, uh, and so I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. And um, so when I started school, I, that was the first time I'd ever, you know, seen it or heard of it. And I, I really enjoyed it. And so... Um, the thing is that it required a good memory to learn the rules and follow the rules and so um, unfortunately I'd only been back at school for three weeks when I had to go into hospital for an operation on my foot and I was off for the whole of the first term so when I came back to school in the the middle term of the year uh, they thought I'd probably be way behind the class, but I'd learned all the rules while I was in hospital, and I actually was doing my second run through the book, uh, Pitman's book, because I really wanted to do a uh, school certificate. I uh, took additional subjects that enabled me to do it because um, that meant to say that I took um, science and biology and book, um, commercial practice shorthand. So I took school certificate in six subjects in the end. I think shorthand and typing in those days only counted as one subject, but it was, you know, later it was called two. And um, I got my school certificate and I did my commercial exams. And when I was, uh, I finished school at the end of. Um, um, the year when I was 16 and I turned 17 in January and started work the day after my 17th birthday. Right. Can we just go back a wee bit? You went to Sacred Heart here Lower Heart. and Lower Heart. Yes. Yeah. I, I had three years there. Right. Yes. So you left with school certificate yes. and you're ready to go into the... Yes. Um, um, you couldn't do um, UE in commercial subjects. No. No, so that's why I had to leave really rather. Well, I went back to school, I could have done senior shorthand typing. However, I went to night school and did that after I'd started work. Right. Now we hear from Lorraine, who remembers there was a shortage of typing and shorthand teachers while she was at secondary school in the late 1950s. I went to Wellington East Girls College and I took up a uh, typing course. They wanted apparently to put me in the professional course, but my mother said, no, she's got to get a job. So she insisted I go into the typing course. That's really interesting. Did you resist it at all? No, because my friends were at that school too, Mm. and I didn't really know the difference between professional and home craft and typing. Sure, yeah. As long as I went where my friends were. Yes, of course. <laughs> and we obeyed our mothers in those days. Like at my first interview, I took mum along. Everybody did. That's quite right, yes. Yeah. Lots of other people we've talked to have said exactly yeah. the same thing. Yes. So you did the commercial course at school. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Well, because they didn't have any teachers in that year, which was 58 to 60, we couldn't have a shorthand teacher. There was none. So we couldn't learn shorthand. We could only learn typing, mm-hmm. which stymied me when it came to school certificate because there was only shorthand typing there and they didn't and I was near the top in history geography English office practice typing 
but you're only allowed four subjects, and I could I had to choose out of history, geography, English, and art. That was all I had, no other choice, and I can't draw to save myself. So I failed. It, they got to the stage where um, they actually announced over assembly, has anybody got a friend who's a secretary who could come and teach, please? My mother determined I had to have a job when I left. Yeah. Um, so before the school certificate res- results came out, she got me a job at education in the typing mm. area. Really? Yeah. In the department or the back? The, the, the head office. The head office. Mina recounts for us her education experience, based in Gisborne on the east coast of New Zealand. So when it came to starting at secondary school, were you influenced in any way as to what topics you studied or did you just have to go with whatever was offered? The, there were three courses. So you had um, general course and the girls took um, sewing and cooking and, and you know, basic stuff like that. Well, I helped my mother and I was the only girl. Um, I could cook. I was cooking meals. I was looking after the family while mum worked. So I didn't need any recipes for mashed potatoes or... <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, there was a recipe for mashed potatoes. Um, the next one was um, account, accounting, where you did accounts... Oh, no, it was called commercial course. And you did accounts, um, typing and shorthand and, and stuff like that. Um, the third one was professional. So you did French, you did maths, you did um, science... Um, English social studies and that's the one that I did. So I did professional course um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So what was the reason you chose professional? I liked it. It gave, um, well I didn't want to do general commercial um, I thought, but uh, it gave me maths and science. Um, I love those subjects. Now Dad, um, Dad was very um, um, had a lot of input influence in my life so if there was anybody who influenced, influenced me dramatically was my father and my mother but in a different sort of a way so dad used to say things like um, be careful look when you go to look for a job look for a good job because the probability of you marrying someone from your work is very high having done a professional courses at high school what sort of things did you think you might do after high school I didn't know what I wanted to do um, and I look back I wish someone other than my father guiding me but that was like um, really when I look back at it it was all about money and um, you know who you got mixed up with as opposed to what did you want to do I wish but we did have, at Gisborne Girls, we did have a careers person, um, Mrs Jones. The only um, conversation that I had with Mrs Jones, which was quite interesting. So when um, I finished, I finished uh, college, secondary school, my mother said to me, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Auckland or Wellington? I love Wellington, so I chose to come back. Um, and she said, well, what do you want to do? So uh, in those days, you could, girls would sort of, sort of herded towards being a teacher or a nurse or um, some sort of a secretarial thing. Or, you know, um, but my mum and dad were really good because there was no expectation that I would go off and, and have, get married and have kids. So mum and I, um, she had a look around and she thought about uh, secretarial school and I said, sure, didn't know what to do, I'll do it to fill 
to fill the time until I figured out what the hell I really wanted to do. Now, my mother was very clever, um, but she didn't. She left school when she, as soon as she could. As soon as she turned 15, she left. She was working. I think mum always wanted an education. It didn't happen. She was very clever, so she looked to me to sort of not fulfil her dreams, but sort of, you know, to do better than what had happened to her. And um, so anyway, we applied to Wellington Polytech for a secretarial course, and um, Mrs Jones, I got a, a call from her for me and my mother to go and visit her. Uh, she said to my mother to, you know, Polytech, um, they only took the very best, um, most cleverest girls in Polytech, and so just to be on the same, you know, that in case I didn't get in, which was probably pretty likely, to look to other um, other things, other sources. So there was a pre-employment Māori, edu- Māori um, course. And the M- Department of Education used to have scholarships going. And so I was very lucky. Um, I got accepted into Polytech and I got a scholarship. And well, so I came down here and lived at the YWCA for two years. Which is fantastic. Linda remembers how her 1980s typing class was set out and how she learned to touch type, the skill of not looking at the keys while typing accurately from handwritten or dictated text. Talk to me a bit about your secondary school and, you know, who influenced the subjects that you took? I think third, I mean, through college, you just had the standard English, math, science um, subjects to go through, and then probably the third form, which is what, year nine they call it now, you get introduced to typing. Did everybody, or was that a choice thing? For you? I think it was an option. I think it was typing or technical drawing. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was woodwork, and uh, and then there was home economics, the cogging, and then there was the sewing. I th- no, 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 I think it might have been an intermediate. I can't remember, but there was those sorts of options. They were the practical options. So I did the um, the typing, and then we got introduced in, le- in the fourth form the next year at college to shorthand, and then I was doing Japanese at the time, so I dropped Japanese so I can concentrate on my shorthand. But, um, yeah, there was a couple of us in the typing pool, typing class, if you like, that were quite fast, yeah. and I remember on the odd occasion having... You know, we had to have things covered over our keyboards. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they'd just say, oh, look how fast she's going, look how fast she's going, you know, because um, that was in the, you know, the top, top, top bang, the carriage to the side and, yeah. So I just loved typing when I first started doing it. I thought, this is what I want to do. I remember doing careers in fourth form and there was the secretary, there was an occupational therapist I wanted to do and there was a third thing that I can't remember what it was. And then I realised the occupational therapist required a bit much more study after school and I wasn't interested in that. <laughs> wasn't really, really interested, yeah. But um... Lorraine M talks about the education streaming that was a key part of her unique secondary school in the mid-1960s. I went to uh, Waifatu um, Girls College in Lower Hutt, um, it was established uh, specifically because the Wainui Amata um, was growing and they didn't have any colleges of their own and they used to send all the girls over the hill along with girls from Eastbourne, Days Bay, 
Woburn um, and we had to apply to get in because I actually grew, I was living in Nainai, I grew up in Nainai and because Nainai had its own college. All my siblings went to Nainai College but I got a B in my bonnet about I wanted to go to Wai for two girls. Um, so I was accepted along with um, quite a few of us actually from the Nainai area, probably to lift their, um, their enrolment. Um, so it was a brand new school. It was a, a state school, which was quite unusual to have a state um, single-sex school. No one had really heard of it. So you began in the third form? Yes, yes. So what... What influenced your choice of subjects? Was it a streamed school? It was. What shocked me when I went to the school was we had to sit particular tests to be streamed and we had not been prepared for that. I'd never been streamed in intermediate um, and I was. we were all quite shocked and our first week we were sent to different classes to do different things. And the hilarious thing was I obviously wanted to do commercial. So they sent me off to, I remember going upstairs to this classroom, and we had to do um, some form of shorthand strokes. So they put them up on the board, and then we had to do these strokes of, of shorthand, which I had not seen before, and... That's the only one that stuck out in my mind about what was happening here. And I got actually streamed into the A stream. I had never been an A student to that point. So I went into the professional class, first of all. Um, I was... um, I was allowed to do... Um, bookkeeping in the professional class, although that usually belonged down in the commercial Mm. class. But I have to say I only lasted six months in that stream and they moved me back down to the commercial stream. At your request or their instigation? A bit of both. I was very unhappy. I was very unhappy. I was... You were struggling academically. I think so. And... And socially. Yes. I didn't. What the other girls were. I came from Nino, they came from Woburn, they came from Eastbourne and Days Bay. There were not many Wainuamata girls in, in that class, age. and neither was there many Nino girls. So it was a real, it was a real unhappy time, and I think they felt that as well. So the second term, I went down to the B, to the commercial. So then I was, and we, you say you wanted to do commercial. Why did you want to do commercial? My mother, we were all raised so that we all had to have a trade. So my oldest sibling, she became a dressmaker. My second sister, in, um, she went hairdressing, um, didn't survive in that, and became a retail worker. My brother had to be a plumber, whether he liked it or not, and he hated it. So he went plumbing, and then I was the plumber of the family, I was the baby. The rest resent me because I became 
a short, you know, my mother wanted me to go into an office. Because by the t- by that time, my mother had progressed from farm work, factory work, to being in an office herself. My mother was working. She went back to work when I was eight. She was one of the very few women in the street who was working. And she worked her way up and she worked in the defence building in Stout Street. She wanted me to work in an office. And shorthand typing was, you know... And what did, what was she what was she what was her role in defence? She was a clerical worker, but she worked I remember as a child going upstairs mm. and they were punch cards. Right. And her and her friend used to sort these punch cards and they had this massive machine that they would feed these punch cards on and I assume it printed stuff out at at the bottom, I don't know what it was. It'd be something yeah. to do with the defence. And your father's role in what his children were doing? Well, my dad was a foundry worker, um, so, but he was um, the family was very political. So my father was a councillor um, on the Hutt City Council um, when we were young children. He. Um, they waited 10 years to get the house in Nainai. So I was 18 months old and my sister's 10 years older than me, the oldest sister. Mm. So we waited all, they waited all those years to get a state house. So he was a great lefty mm-hmm. in terms of people had to have housing mm-hmm. and jobs and was well known in the community. I only stayed... Uh, third and fourth form I wanted to go back to the fifth form but I had been a difficult teenage my first year in high school was a horrendous year for my mother in particular Um, I had played up Bobsy Die and by getting into the fourth form I was doing really well in my subjects and um, it was becoming quite fashionable certainly if you lived in Eastbourne and Woburn you went back to school right you didn't leave in the fourth form, but the Nainai girls and the Wainui girls, the cannon fodder that went into factories and clerical work, left. But I wanted to go back. One of my friends, uh, there's four of us and we're still friends today, she went back and I wanted to go back, but my mother said, no, you're going to go out now and you're going to get a job. So during the school break, so we broke up, end of fourth form and I um, she helped me apply for jobs um, office junior jobs uh, which I did and I recall I was on to my third one didn't get the first two um, because it was becoming apparent even then so you're looking at 1964 aren't you that they sort of expected you to have school suit even to be in an office. So that was the beginning of, yeah. Um, and the third one I went to, Hog, Gillespie, Carter and Oakley, um, I blimmin' got her the job. So she was thrilled to bits. So I started there as an office junior. And from there, 
I went to night school, so we went twice a week up to Wellington Polytech, as it was in those days, to do Pittman's shorthand. Attending college in the 1950s, Gareth found that she loved learning shorthand and was prepared for the workforce thanks to gaining Chamber of Commerce and government exams while still at school. Which secondary school did you go to? I went to Warrapa College in Masterton and um, I left there in 1957. I took shorthand typing and English, geography and um, home science. And so I took a commercial course. Commercial practice was also one of the um, lessons that I never liked that much. I wasn't very good at maths, but I did like um, shorthand. And um, yes, that was something that stayed with me all my life, really. Um, What made you choose to do the commercial course? Well, it was either um, professional or um, um, commercial or home science. So... And I think, um, well, I was never going to be a teacher or a professional, so although I was a professional in what I did do. Yes. Um, and so I chose shorthand type and it was just typing and it was just the right um, thing for me, so I did love it. Were there any expectations from your family as to what you were do, to do or did you no. have a free choice? No, as long as we... Um, I had a free choice, so... Warrapa College was um, good education, but good basic education. And, um, yeah, um, other schools like Solway, they would have not Solway, St Matthews. Um, some of the students would have to come to um, Warrapa College to do some of the lessons. So, oh, really? I mean, we had everything there. I was very happy at college and all my schooling, really. And how long did you stay in secondary school? Uh, Three years I left when I was 16. Okay. And did you leave with any particular qualifications of, and I don't just mean um, a diploma, but in your commercial course? Yes, I had my um, certificates um, at school. I did Chamber of Commerce exams. I've got here, shorthand, um, um, shorthand, 110. 10 words a minute, and typing, intermediate typing, senior. So the marks I got, a percentage mark, was 75 for shorthand and 93 for intermediate typing and 54 for typing senior, which was above my station, really, because I was just learning. And um, then I had my government exam. I think this is the one that was the main thing for me, which was shorthand typing and English. So I didn't sit school cert because that year my father died and um, he died on my 16th birthday. So we had quite a horrific time and I thought, well, you know, really I have got the marks, so um, I want to be shorthand typist. So that's what I became. And once I had my certificate, well, I belonged to the government really. And um, I was placed at um, child welfare. Not an unusual occurrence in that era, Carolyn tells us about her mother attending her first job interview in 1966, and then how she ended up going to a business college to gain her typing and shorthand qualifications. 
Tell us a little bit about the interview. Did your mother contribute or was she just a bystander? No, mum contributed um, quite energetically because I was just too shy to say anything about myself. Uh, This was totally outside anything that I had ever experienced. We were not prepared at school for these type of things. I had spent a year going to Gilby's Private Business College um, at... uh, college we had not been considered well behaved in our fourth form year and the headmistress decided to make our our um, class a four-year school cert class and out of the class of 30 odd girls only one stayed on to do the school seat the rest of us left at the end of that year and to compensate for the fact I wasn't going to get the level of um, skill I needed um, we um, mum sent me to the business college that in actual fact my grandmother had been a teacher at and that was valuable at the end of that um, third year at college I topped both shorthand and typing not because I was anything brilliant, but because I had done all this extra work. Um, Four nights a week I went, and um, it set me on on a path that was my mother's suggestion. I started college at 12, and I was expected to know what I wanted to do for the rest of my life at 12, and I had no idea. And mum said, well... If you do it in, if you go into um, the business classes, if you go into those ones, it'll stand you with shorthand and typing, stand you in good stead for the rest of your life, no matter what you decide to do. And she was right. Mm. I've made a career out of that and proud of my career. Tunani came to New Zealand from the Cook Islands in 1968 to finish her secondary schooling at Wellington Girls College. Uh, I'm from the Cook Islands. Uh, my father and mother, my mum, is uh, half European. And I was brought up there and I went to school in the Cook Islands. I learned to speak English at school. That was our main language. Which part la- of the Cook Islands? Oh, in uh, Rarotonga. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually from Aichitaki, one oh. of the small yes. islands, the beautiful lagoon and all that. And uh, my father was a teacher and we were moving all the time and I went to school there. And then we moved to Aitutaki, where I um, grew up there as well, went to school, went as far as uh, college, Arauda College. And then I got to go to Rarotonga for the higher education in the college. And that's where I finished my, well, I didn't finish my schooling there. My father sent me to New Zealand because he came to New Zealand as well. And went to school here, I'm not sure, I've forgotten what college. And then that's what he did to all his siblings, my brother and sisters before me. They came here as well. They're both teachers. Yes, very interesting. And then he decided, he went to, I was halfway through my um, college. He said, oh, you're going to New Zealand. (laughs) So it was challenging. You're just going to the unknown. Were you happy about that? Well, I was about 15 or 16, but I just went along with what I was told to do. So I came with my sister, 
and then I went to um, Wellington Girls College from 1968 to 1970. I, when I left school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. What subjects did you take at school? Well, I took um, sewing, um, history, um, oh, and um, did you have any typing at school? Oh yes, yes. You did a commercial. Yes, I did. I did yes. typing class yes. at school. And what made what decided you to take that particular option? Well, at it, school? it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't an option. We had to do these subjects. So mm-hmm. I ended up in the typing pool. Our teacher was Miss Miss Devlin. Mm-hmm. She was a very strict teacher, and which was good for us. We would have our bib, you know, how you mm-hmm. tie it onto that, and then onto your neck, and then you type. And if you, if you, and then she'll come with a stick and hit your hand. She? Yes. <laughs> she would she, 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 if you cheated. So that went on. And then, really? um, then when I, when it was time for me to leave school. Could I ask you if you learned shorthand at the same time? No. So not at school, you did typing? I did typing. And what other parts of any commercial course would you have done? Like any bookkeeping or anything like no, that? No, I did. So that, it yeah. was one subject what amongst subject? the other general. Yes. English, history, yeah. Yeah. mathematics and so forth. Yeah. So because I did typing and my sister, I thought, oh, a teacher, but I had no idea what I was going to do. But, and then my sister had a friend that worked in the typing pool. Mm-hmm. Her name is Margaret. She said, oh, go and see Margaret. So I went to her and then she employed me. So that was... And where was that? That was in Wellington and I worked at the um, Wellington Post Office headquarters. In Third Street? Yes. Or was it the, main, yeah. the main one in Third yeah, Street? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I worked there and um, I started off as a typist. So by this time you had school certificate? I set school you certificate, set but certificate? I wasn't successful. Okay. I didn't right. pass any, any of it those. It was It was very hard. Yes, and it was yes. fast fail. Yeah. There was no middle yeah. ground at yeah. all. Louise found that moving from a small country town to attend a large college in Wellington was something of an abrupt change that she wasn't expecting. Anyway, you had one term. I had one term and at Ojaki College. Good typing teacher. Good typing teacher, mm-hmm. Miss Kelly. She was a very good teacher. Tell me what you could do by the end of that. Um, by time. the by the end of the first term, you you knew all your qwerty, all your letters, all your alpha right yes. through. You could touch type the whole the whole alphabetic keyboard. No trouble at all. Did you have short carriage or long carriage? Uh, long carriage long, in those. Oh, you had long carriage. Yeah, long really? carriage. Yeah, in those days, oh. the old um, imperial yeah. imperial typewriters they were. I think it was a long carriage. It was quite a long. And to go back and that sort of jazz, and yeah, and, and at that stage when I left, when we left, when I left Otaki College, I was one of the lower ones in the class. I think there was probably about sixteen or seventeen of us in the typing class. I was one of the lower ones all in the girls. class, all girls in the typing class here, and went down to Petone Tech, which was known as Hutt Valley Memorial Technical yeah. College, and I wondered what I'd struck. I have never seen such a disruptive. Madhouse in all my life. I could not believe what I struck coming from a country town and being taught by the nuns who were very strict and you even though the boys did get up to mischief in the last couple of years, they were still pretty strictly run. And then Otaki College was pretty strict too. And then you went down to Petone and it was just a madhouse. And I started off, I was in the commercial type class there and the first term when I was there, I did shorthand and typing, but I didn't carry on with the shorthand because I didn't pick it up 
very well. And I think probably having missed that first term, mm. that was probably where the the initial grounding of it was. And you're trying to play catch up. Matipin was the top of the class. Top of the class when you went to mm. Mori. Yeah, yeah, top of the class. Nikki wanted to be a seamstress, but her skill as a typist meant she was in demand and was able to pick her first government job. A note for listeners, we apologise for the poor quality of this recording. Okay, when I first joined the college, um, you had your main core subjects, but I was interested in art and typing were the other subjects that we could choose or Māori. But in the third form, I had to take art first. Um, but from the full form, it was, it was compulsory that we learn Māori. So that was my interest in typing, because I used to watch the typing teacher through the window typing on the old Olympia and all the old Adlers, and I thought, well, if she can do that, I can do that. So I took up typing as um, something that I knew I wanted to do. Um, when I initially came down here, I wasn't interested in typing. I wanted to be a seamstress, because I did a lot of sewing. So that wasn't my interest to be in a typing pool. It was just when my CV was handed and they had seen I had done five years' experience as typing and I could touch type, they asked if I was interested in being a typist. And then I went from there. But the job was from something totally different. My other job I had applied for was the government printing in the old days. I went to the factory and I thought, I'm not interested. It was too noisy for me. I couldn't hear anything. It was just noise. So my interest wasn't in there, and they offered me a job there, and I said, no, um, I can do better. So it was more getting into the government. That was my goal, was what our careers advisor said, get into a government and um, you should be sweet, you know, you'll have a, a good job in the government. And that was what was put across us back in those days, don't go anywhere else but the government. Our next interviewee was unique as a typist in being both Māori and male. In this clip, Friday talks about how he wasn't the only boy who was taught typing at his Northland College. Started at Hillary College in 1983 and finished at the end of my sixth form year in 1986. Um, while I was there, it was, it was interesting. I think in terms of the subjects I did, was all your standard ones, English, Maths, Māori, um, all the sciences. But in Form 3, we were given the option of um, doing six months of typing and... Um, oh, yeah, so... Really? In the third form? In the third form. Oh, interesting. In the third form, we were all given the option to actually do typing and another subject as well. And then for the other... Six months was actually tech drawing and woodwork. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it was a fascination there, which is the thing during the typing. You keyboard skills. So early. So early. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, Did so you have to have a typewriter with, a, with an apron on it? It was, it was, was it, it was. Yeah, it was. Yes. So I uh, think we had a fantastic teacher, I um, think typing teacher. Do you remember the teacher's name? No, but if I mm. saw her, I'd recognise her. Yeah, it, yes. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And how many other boys took? Typing. It was half and half. It was half and half. Isn't that fascinating? It was half and that half. So actually, we had to do it, to be honest. Did you, yes. Yeah. I suppose there was a start of me actually having a fascination around typing. Yeah. Um, then when I got into the fourth form, that was when I actually started 
choosing my subjects, and I thought, well, Victorian was a I think it was a good subject I was actually quite good at in, in um, Form 3, so I picked it up then. Um, and so throughout the fourth form, I think did all the um, did all of the, um, the course subjects. Mm-hmm. And then that was when I started um, doing the Pittman's exams. Oh, did you? In the fourth form? In the fourth form, yeah. yeah, mm, yeah you were yeah, and did you have, go out of the school to do that? Or no, did you do them in school. You we did them in school. So you must have had a very forward-thinking teacher. Teacher, yeah, absolutely. Really must have, yes. Oh, no. mm. I can see her right yes. now. She was so prim and proper. Well, she was fantastic. <laughs> she actually treated everyone exactly the same. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was throughout the fourth form year. Then coming to the fifth form year, I thought, well, I think I'm... I'm good at this. I am good at this, so I'll just carry on. Um, yeah, so uh, fifth form I started doing the, the trade certificate oh, yes. exams. Yeah. Um, I started off with one and two, which yeah. I passed. Uh-huh. That was in my fifth form year. Um, and then coming up to 86, when I moved into sixth form year, I was... I decided to take up shorthand as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. Learn yeah. another language? Well, basically. Well, it is. Yeah. Yes. And then it was actually during that year that I managed to get TCB thing level three as Fantastic. well. So, yeah, so that was so all at high school. So you got your qualifications in school? In school. Many interviewees had stories of disrupted and interrupted education experiences. Here, Barbara talks about how her pathway to the typing pool was really due to a lack of access to her preferred accounting course. I originally was going to be an accountant because I thoroughly enjoyed accounting, um, but I would have had to go, by that time, Batoni Tech had started up again for girls. I was supposed to go to Batoni Tech because my dad was head prefect at Batoni Tech many years ago, so that was my um, path, but it never, never occurred because... Um, it was closed to girls at that stage when I started college. And then it, it opened up again. Close to girls? Yes, it was, for a period. While they were doing a big lot of pro- building programme. And so at that time, Wild Two Girls was opened. And then they started back again. After I, it was the year I left college that they started going, opening up to girls again. And I would have had, because there was no bookkeeping at why were two girls, I would have had to go to change schools. And I thought, no. Um, and because I got good marks and all my shorthand stuff, I, I, I went to that path. But I thought, well, I'll go to night school and I'll get my more shorthand exams. But if there is a bookkeeping job comes up, I'll take it. But I never, ever did. Leaving her small hometown of Motueka in 1975, Rosemary attended secretarial school in Nelson where she was taught other useful skills, as well as typing in shorthand. Well, I was born in Motueka and went to Parklands Primary School and then on to Motueka High School, where I went through to my sixth form year um, with no idea what I wanted to do when I left school. I was walking past the um, assembly hall one day at school and I saw they had a careers expo, which the first I knew of it was when I walked past it. And the Nelson Polytech, as it was known then, had a stand there, so I went and had a look, and they were offering a secretarial course, so I thought, oh, yeah, I'll do that. 
So I applied for the secretarial course, that would have been 1975, and was successful. Um, so I actually came to NMIT, as the Polytech is what it was called in those days, and did the secretarial course in 1975. And that was prior to this whole campus being built. We were in a little old house on Hardy Street. I think there were three class intakes that year. Mm -hmm. I was in the top class. Um, and I excelled, which surprised me, because up until then I hadn't excelled at much. So look what you'd done at school before then. Well, at school I did, I studied, um, you know, the core subjects, yes. but I did French and I did art. There was nothing that really grabbed me. and was nothing. It a commercial course? Were you streamed in any way? We were streamed, and I was in the highest, yes. or the second highest stream. <clears throat> Not quite sure how I got there. I think it must have been because I was good at English. Um, I did accounting, French, art. So not commercial, not domestic as it was called then. It was probably, I don't know what the name was. So would there have been three? Because it was sort of professional academic and Pro then it was commercial usually yeah. and then there was only yeah. summons. Would have been so professional. You would have been in a professional yeah. group, yes. Yes, I okay. was. Yeah. Um, and school cert, you've done school cert. Done school cert, passed yeah. school cert. Yes. Did UE. I think I passed two subjects mm -hmm. in UE. Boarded here in Nelson. It was the first time I'd been away from home. And I think I was quite a young, young for my age. Missed my family terribly. But used to go back to Motueka every weekend, which was... Are a, you a week boarder? A week boarder, yes. so it was a nice... Very homesick. I was homesick. Boarded with another girl from Motueka, which was good fun. Um... Secretarial course, we did shorthand and typing and other essential things like how to put on makeup. Oh, did you? We did. did we you? had people come in and teach us how to apply makeup. Really? Uh, we this did. was 1975. Well, there you go. Maybe it was a prerequisite. I don't know. Um, we learned flower arranging. Really? Yeah. The um, total secretary. The total secret, how to arrange flowers, how to put on your makeup. A bit of accounting, which I found really interesting, but the main focus was the shorthand and typing, of course. And did you like shorthand? I loved it, absolutely loved it. Lynn has always known she wanted to be a typist, but found some resistance from the deputy principal at secondary school about her choice of career. Um, I was born in Masterton and um, I went to primary school at Lansdowne School and then I went on to Macora College which is where I first um, began my typing classes. And why did you take typing classes? Um, when I was four I had a neighbour that lived over the road called Louise and she was a secretary. She um, worked for an office in Masterton and she um, had her typewriter at home one weekend and I was fascinated. I used to watch her typing. It was an old black imperial oh, typewriter and she um, helped me to use the keyboard. You were four. Yeah, and I typed a letter that said, when I grow up I'm going to be a typist like Louise. Did you keep the letter? I did keep the letter. <laughs> I um, kept it for a long time. I remember it was on quite wafer thin thin paper and um, it was in an envelope that Louise had put it in and I used to look at it from time to time 
And um, then when I was about 12, my dad came home one day with a Hermes uh, typewriter that he got second hand. And so my parents bought me a learn how to type book and I spent two years teaching myself the keyboard and then when I got to college, I actually could touch type when I first took the typing class. Yeah, I've never heard before someone whose career began when they were four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was really, I never changed my mind. I um, I did quite well at school, and I had a um, quite a stern old deputy principal. And when I was in the sixth form, or about to go into sixth form, she called me into her office, and she said that I was wasting my life. Um, wanting to become a typist and that I should be going to university and I went home and talked to my parents and they said but you're a young woman you should either be a typist a nurse or a teacher and um, you know if you go to university you've got to move away from master and into the big world and you'll probably get married soon and have children and so you know what a waste that would be it's classic isn't it and so um, I went back to school and this uh, head, deputy head teacher was not happy but um, I enrolled in typing and shorthand and continued with those. How short-sighted of her. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yes. yeah. And, and I did, um, there's been lots of times in my life when I regretted not going to university and I think working in a university environment you see what, what could have been. Mm. Um, and so one year I actually did a management paper because I just needed to prove to myself that I could have done it if I'd wanted to do it. And I got an A mark, so I was really thrilled with that. Really? If, <laughs> um, you had, if you had decided to go to university, what would you have done I when think you were I, younger? I think um, I would have been, would like to have been a social worker. Do you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, I guess in lots of ways your life probably has had a lot of social work involved. Yeah, I think <laughs> as, as a PA yes. you kind of, yeah, in that service things. kind of role, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. looking after people. Yeah. Yes. I think by the time I left school, there was only seven people went through to the seventh form. To the form. seventh form. And there was probably only a couple of girls, and one of those, I think, went on to be a district court judge. Really? But, is that right? But you had to be incredibly brainy. I mean, I think only back then, only about 5% of people went to university. Yes, they yeah. did. Yes, Debbie tells us about how she came to take the commercial stream at her secondary school and how influential her mother was in that decision. Interesting, because in those days you had a choice between general and commercial, and no, I didn't really have a choice. You arrived, you did general for um, Form 3, which now is Year 9. I did um, everything that other kids did, you know, I had to learn French, all the bits and pieces, and then when it got to um, full form, I got told that I was doing commercial because I told I wasn't bright enough to go and do the general. And so that's how I got into commercial practice, shorthand typing, all the all the generic things that, you know, it was a choice. What were you going to do? Were you going to be a teacher, a secretary or a nurse? And so I got told that's what I was doing. So I ended up doing the commercial course or shorthand typing. So who told you? My mother. So your mother had looked at your results or had she predetermined? 
I think she looked at my results. Mm -hmm. um, look, looking back on things, I was actually a very young, a young 13-year-old when I started at St Mary's. Possibly I should have been kept back a year, but I was a young, naive, wasn't a fast learner. Mm -hmm. It was only as I got older that it sort of came about. But I think they sort of felt that that's... And, and, and Mum, both my parents, actually, Mum never got to finish college. Yeah. So Mum got to do one year of St Mary's and her father died when she was 14 and she ran the shop. Dad's father died when he was about 12 and so he never even got to college. He was left to run the farm. So I think what they thought was... If we could give a good start, yep. you know, um, secretarial would be the way to go, get me in an office, wouldn't have me on the shop floor. And so that was what was agreed. Finished in 77. Mum and Dad said, no, you're not staying on for sixth form. And I did a six-month uh, course at Tony Polytech where they had a, um, a thing called administrative practice. And so I did all my Pitmans and my TCB board and everything there. And I did six months and then went job hunting. To help us understand how education policy was designed in the 50s, 60s and 70s, I'm pleased to welcome Sarah Christie, a researcher, to the podcast. Sarah is a PhD candidate with the Department of History at the University of Otago and submitted her thesis in September 2021 titled Women in the New Zealand Office 1945-1972. to So Sarah, can you tell us a bit more about what was the spark for you to want to write your thesis on women and office work? Hello, thank you very much. I was wanting to do some further study. I'd been working in the university in a clerical and administration role and wanted to go back and do some more history work. And in trying to figure out what that topic would be, I wanted it to be something in the area of women and work. And I was looking through the archives and finding all these beautifully typed pages of letters and minutes, um, all without any mistakes. <laughs> and... I just thought nobody ever tells the story of who actually created these documents. And so that was really the spark that led me down to think, okay, what were what was the role that women were playing in the office in this post-war period? What I found really interesting was how the education and entry into the workforce in those post-war years in the 1950s through to the 1970s was really impacted by the ideas and reforms that were undertaken prior to that in the 1930s and 1940s. So under the first Labour government, the key shift for young women was really around extending secondary education access from an idea that secondary education was for a minority based on an exam that children actually sat at the end of their primary schooling to a model where secondary schooling was compulsory up to the age of 14, so effectively two years of free and compulsory secondary education. Under the selection model, secondary schools have been primarily academic, but if everyone was now going to secondary school, there was then a debate around what should the curriculum look like. And this debate was in the context of a country that had been through the Depression, was currently in the midst of the Second World War. And so it focused 
a lot around citizenship and what made a good citizen. And for Labour and the educationalists that worked on this, the answer was really a student that had a core academic education, so reading, um, writing, maths, rounded out with music and art and physical education, and then the option to train towards a job that would suit their abilities and characteristics. These reforms really allowed a great number and a more diverse number of women access to the education that allowed them to become office workers. But there's also a flip side to that. The idealised version was had a significant amount of student choice, but the implementation of that was underpinned by assumptions that about women's role in the workplace and in the home and the assumption that this was temporary for women. The school certificate qualification was introduced in 1946 and at the start the subjects were supposed to be driven by their interests and their abilities but the implementation realities meant that the old distinctions between academic and vocational ended up being reinforced. Uh, This was especially true in the post-war years when the baby boom generation hit the high schools and there was not the resources to be individualistic and the idea of those streams that we hear the women talk about kind of just got reinforced and entrenched those areas we hear which was home craft commercial and then the professional and academic Nā mihi nui. a big thank you to all the interviewees who shared their education experiences and memories with us for episode one and to Sarah Christie for her insights coming up in episode two the role of education part two we hear from more interviewees about the challenges and bias they faced gaining an education and how parents, teachers and society viewed their potential. The Keystrokes Per Minute project was made possible by funding support from the Ministry of Culture and Heritage and the Public Services Commission. Listeners can find out more about the project by visiting website www.storycollective.nz. The soundtrack was kindly provided by permission from the Boston Typewriter Orchestra. Find their music and merchandise on bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.